Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. This is another Star Trek edition, and we have our J squad is with us again, but a different uh, configuration of our J squad. So um, in, since the last episode, where we reviewed episode six and seven, uh, the USS Mint Condition was under fire by a Borg attack and was destroyed. But luckily, <laughs> our crew was beamed aboard the newly refitted U.S. Enterprise D. And so joining me, rescued by the Enterprise D, is, of course, Joe. Greetings, life forms. And John is with us. Hey, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, Josh is not with us. He was beamed aboard, but he's, his pattern is stuck in the, uh, the transporter, if you will. And uh, I'm told he will be back with us for the finale. But joining us, as we mentioned last time, appearing from the wormhole in our hour of most desperate need, is the emissary himself. <laughs> Jack Adrian has returned to us. Hello, greetings all. <laughs> so Jack, uh, in the wormhole, I hear that they, they have seen Picard. You and the wormhole aliens have seen them. I've seen this season so far. And uh, before we dive into the meal that is episode nine, I mean, we, we could talk about episode eight, but I think the meal is really episode nine has brought us all here today. Jack, let's let's have you kick off. What has been your thoughts about Picard season three? Um, so thank you very much, James, uh, my fellow captains, my fellow colleagues. Um, uh, it is wonderful to, again, be in your presence. Um, so let me just, so this is the first time I've kind of spoken on uh, season three since uh, the season kicked off. Uh, now, I, in our last wrap-up for uh, season two, I had some grave misgivings about how that was handled. Um, I definitely feel season three is is much stronger. I think it um, is definitely, I think, uh, a much better uh, kind of outing uh, than we've seen. I do have some nitpicks, but, you know, as I am wont to do. Uh, but overall, uh, I, I think it is uh, a worthy uh, kind of continuation of the uh, Star Trek uh, mythos. Uh, and most notably, and I will say just kind of in closing, the thing that I have enjoyed most about it uh, is uh, on one level, uh, it is not just a continuation of uh, the next generation. Uh, I think it is basically a continuation of Star Trek from that era. And so they are drawing elements from Deep Space Nine. They're drawing elements from Voyager. Um, and I think there's a, a very kind of nice balance the way they're kind of putting it all together. The only thing I'd say is if, someone were not a fan of the other two shows, they may not necessarily understand some of the significance of some of the things that they're seeing. Uh, but overall, I think it's, uh, again, as I said, a very good outing. Well thank said. you, Jack. Well said, yes. sir. Well said, thank you. I, I am Jack. I'm gonna just call, call you out on something that may or may not you know, get some, get some people, particularly on board this ship right now, possibly, we'll see, I'm riled up. But you have said to me offline, and we've communicated via Wormhole, that the next generation, you did not, think it's as strong a show or has as strong a characters. Is that correct? Yes. So, I mean, uh, we, we are coming in hot. We are coming here uh, under Klingon fire. Um, this is true. So uh, what I said to you, James, and this is true, and I, I will take it, you know, uh, at me in the comments, uh, is that my personal feeling is that Star, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, is a very plot-driven show. Um, if in my kind of rewatching of the episodes, uh, I like the plots. Uh, I like the stories that they've kind of put together. But uh, even in rewatching it, uh, again, in kind of preparation for this discussion and also trying to tie some of the uh, Picard season three ideas together, in many respects, I don't feel other than Picard uh, and Data, um, and every once in a while, another character will kind of, you know, uh, get their time in the sun. I don't feel the characters are fully lived in. Um, I, in many ways, I honestly feel that 
they are kind of being moved around like uh, set pieces. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily feel uh, in rewatching the show that um, I truly get a sense of who they are. And I think most of that developed over time. I think when I watched it, when it aired originally, I didn't necessarily see that, um, obviously being the heir to the original series. Um, but in my opinion, I honestly feel that Deep Space Nine and even Voyager um, to a great extent um, and I think Voyager was easy to do because of their separation from the Alpha Quadrant, uh, had characters who I think were fully developed individuals. You may not necessarily like where they went with some of the characterizations, but uh, I truly felt you got a sense of who they are. And particularly, I'd like to uh, note the exchange between the Fotuvac, spoilers, uh, and Seven of Nine. Um, that interplay truly gave you a sense of the relationship that had been established because even before um you know seven of line had you know gone to picard she was a fully realized character in voyager and so was tuvok and so you honestly felt that there was a connection between these two characters uh that they could build upon or in the case of the episode against spoilers people um that one person would be able to know definitively that this is not the person who they had come to know uh over the course of the uh their divorce from the Delta Quadrant back to the Alpha Quadrant. No, thank you. I appreciate Jack. I, and I didn't mean to put you under fire there, but we had discussed this offline. And I think it's poignant to, to this because, you know, and I'm going to let John and Joe weigh in in a moment, but do you feel after what you just said that Picard season three is giving you the character development you were looking for? Absolutely. Uh, and, and so like, there's three key things that I'd like to say about Picard season three, much more so than Picard seasons one and two. And I'm going to tie back to some of the things in Picard season uh, one and two. So the first thing is actually, I, I feel in a lot of ways, the most well re recognized or realized character from the next generation was Jean-Luc Picard. And I do feel in some levels, uh, seasons one and two had some great ideas, but I don't think they fully committed to actually developing the individual character uh, as much as they could or should have. Uh, I think season three truly delves into that. And I think they had some very good themes on their own. Uh, and I think those themes were worth actually exploring. Uh, I just felt in many ways, uh, the character himself didn't truly kind of come to the fore uh, as much as we're trying to see now. So that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, I did one of my main criticisms for season two was that the secondary characters um, really just didn't have a lot to do in season Season two. And so one of the things I truly love about Seven of Nine, uh, they truly uh, developed her character in season three, particularly her relationship uh, with Captain Shaw, uh, which was contentious. Um, but again, they truly gave her character room to shine. Rafi, again, uh, her pairing with Worf, but also meeting her ex-husband, uh, which was a uh, storyline that I felt they had completely dropped uh, in season two. Uh, I think they really kind of addressed that to uh, make her a fully fleshed character. Uh, but again, they also went through the effort of truly developing the characters from the original show. And so uh, in many ways, we were able to see all of the main characters uh, doing the things that they do best. And so uh, we were able to see um, Will Riker actually commanding a starship, uh, which is something uh, I think we have always wanted to see. What would he be like as a captain? And we were able to see that. Uh, Beverly Crusher uh, was a fully competent and fully realized doctor uh, in you know her analysis of the changelings uh, in, in doing that kind of medical research. But again, we also got to see her uh, in, in as a mother and as someone who's willing to defend uh, her family. Uh, again, uh, it's also, uh, I, I like where they went with Worf, uh, the character who is uh, had the most appearances in any uh, of all of the Star Trek franchise, uh, but they've taken the character in a very new and fresh 
way, but also his role as a mentor to Rafi, I think, was uh, something that was uh, very refreshing to see, and I think uh, a tribute to him and his character. Um, Deanna Troy, I think, perhaps got the most short shrift, but uh, as uh, as as the counselor, uh, but even there, we were able to see her work with Jack uh, in, in, you know, trying to tap as to whatever the mystery was uh, that they've been kind of... Uh, going through the entire season, uh, but also then her honesty and the conversations that she had with Will um, and their kind of reckoning with uh, the death of their son, I think very open and honest, uh, very well done there. Uh, I had some reservations with respect to where they were going with uh, the Data character. Uh, I, At the end, I felt it was you know not a bad uh, storyline, um, particularly wanting to keep Brent Spiner uh, as part of the, the, the cast. And, and it, it and again, the Star Trek universe is totally plausible. Uh, and, and lastly, but by no means, you know, least, uh, you know, Commodore Jodie LaForge, um, you know, uh, who, uh, again, has has uh, actually done uh, the, the thing that's necessary to uh, allow the uh, the actual saving of the Federation. So so um, in, in many ways, I do feel season three uh, developed uh, Picard's character, fleshed him out. Uh, it allowed the uh, secondary characters from Star Trek Picard to actually get their own individual storylines, and it fully realized the uh, the legacy characters from the TNG. Thank you, Jack. That was uh, that was a it was a great wrap up, a great round the horn about the current state of the next gen characters compared to where they were. Um, but now there's a now I guess let's see what everyone else uh, thinks. Um, John, what were your thoughts about what Jack um, ha- has put forth before us? So Jack, well done. I mean, you you, you gave uh, you gave your prosecutor's case as always. Uh, just like <laughs> the, uh, the motion pictures is like, wow, that was a bullet point. Uh, if I was in a jury, I'd be I'd be pretty sold in most of those uh, most of those points. Um, you know, when you're talking about the, the the characterization and and what people were given, I always felt Next Gen was the first uh, you know first attempt since the you know since the original series to do something in a, in, in a new way where that where, where you were it was the full ensemble was presented on screen and they got to that by season three, really, you know, I think some of the, some of the background characters finally came into the forefront. And then as, and, and then as the cast was very clear of family, I felt that, the, you know, as the seasons went on, like I felt the next gen family, I saw it on screen. I was watching a family. Uh, I was watching people who a chosen family, people who really cared about each other. Um, even as I think that they were still getting used to in production and writing, you know, the idea of really fleshing out characters you know, because TV, even then, you got to think, 1987 uh, through 93, you know, didn't always go super deep with characters. And Deep Space Nine and Voyager really got to take the ball with that and go further. The joy I've had in season three is exactly that. We we know these characters and we went pretty deep in, in, in Next Generation, but it was still a first attempt at really doing that, you know, at, at a full level. Even as original series, you didn't quite get super depth. I feel like we needed the movies to really get into the characters. This season is so good at even even as only have ten episodes, different different appearances by different characters, they've really they've really used their time so well to give us a real moments with every character. And I, and I was watching it with friends, and we were all like, oh well, what are they doing with Troy? She was missing, you know, through most of the season, understandably, uh, storyline wise. But we wondered like, where is this going to fit in? And I I was floored in her scenes with Will, just talking about, you know, his grief and how she made the fundamental mistake that a therapist isn't supposed to do, which is try to control the timeline of grief. 
that blew me away. That absolutely blew me away. And and it, it was scenes like that, which you didn't need 60 minutes of it to, to, to all of a sudden realize exactly where these characters were, feel what they had gone through and, and, and where their own pain and tensions and, and, and failures in relationships really existed and, and how they're going to come back from that. It was just like, wow, how did they write that so, so poignantly and have it come across on screen so well that that blew me away. And that's when I was really glad to see, to see them back. And I could definitely relate to that notion of both wanting to control the timeline I, I, both in, in the shoes of Will and, and the person who's trying to help somebody. That was so poignant. So, so glad to have everyone back. Worf, yeah, I mean, I don't know if everyone's watching the the, the ready rooms after this. I've really been into those this season, uh, seeing the relationship between Worf and Raffi, but the actors themselves really, really, uh, uh, again, become family. Uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, the Burtons basically now having a, a adopted daughter now, you know, so that both on-screen daughters are, our family, all these things that are coming across in brilliant moments that really weren't necessarily present in the first two seasons because I felt like uh, uh, it didn't know what it was. The show didn't know what it was. The writing was all over the place. Um, this show is watching something that it knows what it is. It knows exactly what it is. It's not apologizing for it. It's even some of the things that you're a little bit like, really, they're doing this? Oh, even me, I'm sort of like, really, the Borg again? At the same time, it works. It's not apologizing for it. It's just doing exactly what it knows what to do. And I think that's the great credit to Terry Metalis is he he he's the kind of executive producer and writer who I feel like we would be, literally be having these conversations with, except that he's the filmmaker. He knows how to do that part of it. Um, and 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 that's that's really a joy to watch for me because I know it's somebody who is both loves the series but is fundamentally connected to it and understands it on a level, uh, in, in a way that sort of a, a nerd does, uh, but has the but has the real chops to produce a show, which which is brilliant. I think that's what we're getting a sense of in, in, in Strange New Worlds as well. Are people who love love the show, love the concept, but also know how to do it, and I, and I think that's been missing in the other shows. Discovery for a number of seasons, uh, certainly its first season, um, and and I'm I'm just so on board with it. But what I'm what I'm really interested in now is where where these characters are gonna you know sort of do. I guess what's gonna be their final sign off for the next episode. But I want to jump into something that I can't hold back on. I want everyone's opinion on this. Uh, a spoiler. So Terry Mattel said something uh, the other week. Uh, I mean, earlier this week that sort of got me thinking about what's going to happen next week and what the fate of Captain Shaw really is. So Todd Stashup, we saw what happened to him. He uh, he went down, you know, got got shot, gave command over seven of nine, had that poignant moment that Jackie pointed out that was so brilliant and so wonderful. We have like the full, like, yep, commander seven of nine, recognizing her identity. But he said in a, a Gizmodo article uh, that, Although Shaw perished this week, he does actually appear in some capacity in next week's season finale, and that might have something to do with Stash how Stashwick could jump aboard the much ballyhooed demand from fans and creatives alike for a supposed Star Trek legacy spinoff. He then goes on to say, it's not in production, hasn't entered discussions yet, basically he's telling fans, write in, make sure the enthusiasm is there and let Paramount know you want you want something like that. So I, I, I was thinking to myself, what in the world is he talking about here? Like we saw Shaw get shot. We saw him ostensibly die. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. That little hint coming in from, from Metallus that he has some role to play coming back. 
and his relationship to seven and nine and his arc with the Borg and his fear about the Borg and what he experienced. What if uh, the alternate timeline Borg from Gerardi's Borg Queen, we don't, I don't think we're going to see her necessarily. What if they do pop back in as part of the solution to the problem? And he ends up partially assimilated into the, into Gerardi's good collective, you know, that's still guarding the gate out there somewhere. Like, because I don't know how else they would be bringing him into another series, but there's some, I mean, I think that would be a really cool, crazy way for him to stay in the series or stay in the uh, universe. It's Star Trek, so anything is possible, right? But that is, those are very, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, there's a lot of possible. Like you said, she, maybe he'd be assimilated either by Girardi's um, Borg Collective. Maybe, um, who knows what could happen. Maybe somehow he could be assimilated using the tech or brought back using what they beamed into the transporter into everybody. Mm-hmm. Um he could get a synthetic body, maybe. I mean, data could maybe craft something. Um, those are, yeah. I mean, Joe, what do you what do you think about that and everything else? But what do you what do you think about the I fate of Shaw? I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't know much about this Gerardi other Borg uh, uh, um, Sidra, whatever that is. Where, where was that uh, established? That was season two. Okay, all right. So I didn't see that. But no, I, I would hope that you know he went out uh, as a hero and. Um, Frankly, I think when somebody in that point, it's uh, let him stay dead. You know, it's, it's kind of like the old uh, Barry Allen saved the universe in the crisis of infrared and they brought him back, something they should have never have done. So um, I, I like when a hero goes out uh, sacrificing his or herself for the, uh, you know, the, the, the needs of the many and not the, one, the few of the one. So uh, I, I would not like to see, unless it's a prequel type of thing where uh, we can see him in. No, I would not like to see the character continue now that they've 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 uh, they've offed him. I, I'm sorry to see him go, but let's you know let's try to keep some reality uh, within the confines of you know uh, this this sci-fi series. Um, as to what Jack was saying before, I concur with Jack's wrap-up, pregnant pause, but I must take issue with Jack's tepid estimation of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Which may, which may necessitate a future tribunal, Jack, because uh, yes, it was a plot-driven show, but um, you kind of just, you know, took a poop on my favorite all-time TV show <laughs> a few minutes before. So uh, I would like to defend um, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I think there was more than just uh, uh, character arcs for Picard and, uh, and Data. I think, I think, uh, uh, Mr. Wolf's character arc in that uh, those seven seasons was immense and amazing, and uh, I think Jack and you can tell me if I'm you can tell me if I'm blowing smoke here, but I, um, Deep Space Nine was more of a a serialized version, especially once the season four started. Picard was typical. Excuse me, Next Generation was more episodic. So I think when you when you're serializing uh, these these uh, programs, you can delve deeper into the character arcs and the and the character and fleshing the characters out. But I still think they did a great job with that on a week-to-week basis in the next generation. So that's all I have to say at this point. <laughs> well, Jack, I'm going to let you weigh in on what, what Joe just said. But also, Jack, I would want your thoughts of what John said. What do you think a possible resurrection for Shaw would be would be like? Because Joe, I kind of I agree with you because I'm always more so in my later years now agree with like if a character dies, let him stay dead. But I feel like Shaw's death was and spoilers if you haven't seen episode nine. People, if you're this far into our 
or uh, this episode. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. but Shaw's doing? death seemed to, to John's point, um, it was noble, but um, it was overshadowed by the fact the next thing we were on was the USS Enterprise D. There was, I didn't even have a chance to process the Shaw. I'm like, Shaw died. And I was like, sad for two seconds before I was like, oh my God, it's the D. So um, yeah. I feel like uh, there, there should be more for Shaw, but Jack, uh, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> No, so um, thank you, thank you, John. Uh, thank you, James. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, so no, uh, with respect to uh, what what you know, John pointed out the the uh, Borg cooperative, as as they call them. Um, I definitely think that that's a, a possibility. Um, but I tend to uh, agree with Joe. Um, you know, I, I definitely feel uh, the nature of the character, um, the way he was written uh, on the show. He had a complete story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you he, you you. You came into the show, um, and you know w- one of the things uh, Star Trek does. Uh, I think it, it's almost funny. It's almost become uh, a trope on 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 the on the franchise where um, just about any admiral is always wrong, other than Picard. Um, so no matter what they say, you have to do the opposite. Um, so I mean, uh, and there's the whole part of the discussion that I have later on, just to really kind of stress that point. But the admirals are always wrong. I don't know how how you elevate so many people to positions of power and where they lose their way, but it's inevitable that <laughs> that's what happens. It's, I, I don't know, something- They're feeling they, well, it, well, there, there's something in the uh, you know transparent aluminum feeling that once they cross it, um, somehow or other they they lose all common sense. You know, so, so you know never breach the transparent aluminum ceiling because because you know only bad things will happen. Um, also, to 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 your point, John uh, Joe. No, I, I so I love the show. I, I, I in my saying that it, it's and I think John raised a really good point. Is um, looking at it in in an evolution and a continuum. Obviously, Deep Space Nine and Voyager were able to build on things that uh, the next generation uh, could not necessarily build on, and particularly, and this is I think the thing that uh, we I'd be remiss in not pointing out is you know the the early years of the show was so constrained by, by Gene Roddenberry um, that um, there was not, I feel a lot of room uh, to allow the show to breathe. And and so even by the time it started to get its footing uh, in the third season, um, some of those kind of patterns kind of maintained. And I I felt that they were starting to break out of them Um, in the later seasons. I definitely feel that those were, uh, I think much more representative of, you know, the characters and and getting that depth. Uh, And I think to John's point as well is uh, fundamentally no one knew how and one could even argue um, how to do an ensemble show like that. I mean, you, you ostensibly, I mean, for the original series, you had the three main leads, uh, and then there were, you know, the also rans, uh, and and so you were easily able to just kind of rotate the stories and the characterization between those three characters, and it was stronger when you had those three characters together, and and so they almost had a cheat in the way they were able to do that. The next generation was trying something different, trying something bolder. Uh, and so uh, even in, you know, in the purview of, of Gene Roddenberry. And so uh, it really, I think, took them a while um, before they were able uh, and comfortable to actually allow those characters to truly blossom and breathe uh, in the way that they, they would later on. And so uh, I... I Love the show. It still uh, sits, you know, very well with me uh, and, and um, you know, my, my recognition. But, you know, the, the funny thing is even before coming here, uh, you know, for, for this recording, um, you know, I was, uh, Netflix was on. And so uh, my youngest came in and said, oh, what are you watching? I was like, yes. He's like, Star Trek. I was like, which one? Enterprise? I was like, nope. And he was like, Voyager. It's just like, yep. And it's just like, you're always watching Voyager. It's like, yes, I am. Um, and, and 
Because again, uh, there is just the interplay of those relationships that you know speak to me. I love character-driven stories, uh, and so I truly uh, appreciate that uh, that that they are able to kind of uh, explore the characters in that way. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's a very good uh, rebuttal to my argument, Jack. I can't say much. <laughs> Although I will, I will add that um, Star Trek: Next Generation boldly went where no one, no one went before so you know we'll we'll, we'll give it that uh that uh you know uh, uh we'll give them the gold star for that <laughs> okay. and we'll just drop this now <laughs> well i want to i want to get to something that i'm going to go focus a little bit more on episode nine now um and john i'm going to harken back to our first episode that we recorded for this season of picard season three and i think you and you me and josh were ruminating about things we would like to see and I think you said if if we get the moment where the crew is on board the D, you were going to jump up and down. So did you have a jumping up and down moment this week? I I I, I did. My favorite part about it though was uh, so uh, not every episode have I had uh, the ability to watch with a lot of people. This episode happened to be about with six or seven people, uh, and we were sweltering because no one had put their air conditioner in yet, and it was ninety degrees in New York for some <laughs> crazy reason, and the gasps that you could, the audible gasps, just as we're figuring out, wait, they're talking about NCC 1701D. Like they're talking about the galaxy class enterprise, um, uh, you know, was, was palpable. And then as, as they're on, you know, we're, we're losing our minds watching this and the, the, the crew is on the bridge and the, they bring the lighting up, which I want to comment on. They bring it up the, the way it is in the TV show, not the movies. It's full on bright lighting, which I felt was really important to to have and, and recognize. And the bridge was laid out like it was in the series, not the movies. And so as as they're manning, you know, get, getting on on the bridge, I I I like elbow my friend. I'm like, oh my god, they even have like the carpet, like the full on carpeting is back there. And thirty seconds later, that's the comment from Picard saying in this very <laughs> dramatic way. You know, we are a family. I'm so glad to be here. Of all the things I've missed, you know what it is? The carpet. <laughs> and we just lost our minds. We lost our minds. So that, that that was sort of the moment. And I loved like that, that we were all on the same wavelength and that I, apparently, and that's where I'll go back to like, whoever was writing this was thinking just like us. He was like, yep, the carpet. The carpet's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> and the plaque. But uh, it just, it felt, so real. And that was the moment when I said, yeah, this show is about, it's not about fan service from a cynical point of view. You know, let's get, let's get the ticket sales or, or the subscriptions. This, this, this is about uh, uh, a, a return to something as we are different people, hence the line of, I've never been so happy to see wrinkles. You know, these are different, different actors, different phases in their lives, different, different, uh, uh, different people. And the characters are different, but we're also going back to something. So as as a quick line is it's nostalgia with good writing. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And to to get that and then to get the enterprise day back. Yep. I totally believe it. Yeah, of course. Like, would Jordy be rebuilding the Enterprise? Yes. He has a fleet museum at his disposal, some extra nacelles here and there. They had to get the saucer back, totally by the prime directive, reasoning on that. And here we do. We have, we have the Enterprise D. And I love that they're like, yeah, we didn't network this one in with the, they use the word mainframe, which I'm interesting idea, you know, choice of words for that for the Starfleet mainframe. It's like, yeah, now we just got to figure out what are they going to do with that ship? You know, it'll get them from point A to point B. It's not going to be able to 
physically take on, you know, the, the, the assault from a unified federation fleet but what is it going to be capable of what are they going to do with that i think it's going to be some some cool stuff but just to see them in that it it wasn't just nostalgia it was bringing back there was a magic to that bridge as sort of corny as it is with the wood and everything else and and just to give us that sense of just also bring us back a little bit was the wharf moment which is which i felt was a a discussion like we have here where wharf is saying well i preferred the blog you know an enterprise and they're like wharf (laughs) It's perfect. That that encapsulated how we all are talking about the show, even in the you know in these podcasts. It was just perfect. Yeah, John, that was that's really well said. I have to. I I, I shaking my head. I, this is an audio podcast only. I was shaking my head because the lighting. Yeah, I was like, are we're not going to do the the generations lighting, are we? Because I was always. I still remember my my thought when I saw generations was the bridge is so dark. Like this yeah. is so dark. This is not the bridge that I'm used to, which is. Again, we've had conversations about generations, but the lighting, the everything being back, um, and you said it also, John. I would I would also call it like it's it's nostalgia with with writing behind it. It's nostalgia for a purpose, it, you know. Because uh, you know we've had plenty of conversations about is are 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 the things these days just fan service and nostalgia? And I feel like what they've been rolling out in this season was plot driven. Uh, fan service, if you would, Joe. What was your thoughts when you got to see the Enterprise D roll out again? Well, I was surprised because just before that, when when Jordy said we have, I, wait a minute, you know, I have another, I have an idea. I, I feel like they're going to go back to the flight to the flight to the fleet museum. But I say, guys, I thought it was going to be NCC seventeen oh one A. Me too. Right? <laughs> Good. Because really, he said analog. That we need something analog. And, and what do you remember what, the, what that, that first episode was? The analog, the chronometer, right? The analog. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're going to get Kirk's at, at the part. But then I was still, it was still a holy shit moment when, <laughs> when we saw which Enterprise it was. And it was, it, that it was Enterprise D. Uh, so yeah, I was, I didn't, uh, I didn't jump over the coffee table like I did when Wolf killed Galron in, uh, Deep Space Nine, <laughs> but almost, but I would like to say about fan service, you know, today in, in, in pop culture, the, the, the word, the two words fan service usually takes on a negative, you know, a connotation with the people, you know, on different sides of whatever spectrum complaining about this, that, and the other thing. But this, these people, uh, Terry Metallis is at the correct pronunciation of the, of the uh, showrunner? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Terry Metallis and his, and his crew, I think that's a good way of putting it, are, 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 they're servicing the fans, yes, but with an eye towards the future near episode 10 coming and even far because John has said this many times and so has Josh, we think that they're setting something else up to, after this uh, conclusion of this series. So um, these people are brilliant. That's all I have to say. And uh, that was a brilliant moment when they when they got back on the uh, the bridge of the Enterprise D, and um, I, I I avoided watching the trailer uh, for for the next week's episode or the coming episode because I don't want to I don't want anything spoiled or even hinted at spoiling anything. I just want to sit down Thursday morning and immerse myself in what I think is going to be a tremendous hour of Star Trek. That's great. That's great, Joe. I, I, everyone's got such good summaries here today and everything. So, um, we, we've got the important part too: the computer voice. Oh, no, yeah, that's Wonder right. Oh my God, that's the computer I, voice. I, yes, it was it was Major, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Because yeah. I guess uh, if Josh were here, he'd probably say because I know Josh said an ep- it said in episode one or or what I forget which episode of our Picard wrap up he said he said they were 
they may not have done um, her voice because they couldn't afford it. Maybe they were saving the budget for for yeah. this episode to have her chime in as the voice. I, uh, I did read that they that they compiled it mostly from the episode's chain of command. Uh, okay. Oh, what we saw, and I don't know what we're going to see going forward, but that's okay. what they were. That's what they're mostly using with some other algorithms and things. Okay. All right. But they, but well, they did acquire the rights to use it, uh, so that's that's awesome. Well, didn't they sign um just to go off a little off track here? I think we covered this in a previous episode, but she's they they signed a contract like they did with James Earl Jones, right? Where she could they can use her voice if they I guess they pay the royalty or whatever, right? I believe so. I believe so yes. Yeah, they like like she requ- has enough things recorded where they could they could still use her voice as the computer in future Star Trek if they wanted to. So, um, Jack, we've had many conversations about fan service and nostalgia. So, what are your thoughts about the Enterprise D returning to the screen? <laughs> Yes. So, so, I mean, again, I, I do have, you know, some thoughts. Um, so, I mean, again, so let's, let's just back up a little. And, and, and so one of the things, and, and I was listening to, uh, you know, an earlier uh, podcast uh, with James, you, John and Josh. And, and, and so I think Josh said, you know, if you would have told young him that he would have had good quality Star Trek and good quality Star Wars on, uh, you know, on a regular basis, he, he would have been surprised. And, but it really got me thinking about like, you know, um, where do we exist with a lot of these multimedia franchises um, and, and where do we go with them? And, 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 and so, um, you know, in many ways, um, what we have seen so far, and I think both Star Trek uh, and Star Wars, I think, is much more egregious in this way, um, is, uh, again, just really kind of leaning on the nostalgia. Um, and, and to some extent, sometimes it works. Sometimes um, it's just blatant. Um, and, and one could argue whether or not uh, the people who control uh, these, these franchises um, whether they actually have an appreciation for it or they are just trying to make a buck. I agree with Joe. Uh, I think it's uh, somewhat obvious that, um, you know, Metallus actually does have an appreciation for it. And so uh, to your point as well, James, is this is not nostalgia uh, just to move things forward, um, you know, to um, just try to get a buck from from the viewer of all of the things that we loved. I think uh, it does service uh, advancing the characters, advancing the, uh, the overall story uh, in, in, in a very good way. One minor, and I have to, I'd be remiss not to point this out. Um, they, they were only able to get there uh, on some level. And, and this is, again, a difficulty with multimedia franchises. Uh, these are not properties that essentially existed as, you know, uh, other media in some level. And then they're being drawn. No, I mean, they are continuously being reimagined. And so there were some retcons. Um, and, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to focus overly much on the retcons. But that essentially is how you... Uh, can move some of these stories forward and in, in by having some of these retcons. And to Joe's point too, uh, the thing I do like about the show, uh, and even particularly I think with, with the uh, Enterprise D, uh, is it, it is fan service, uh, but it is fan service that I, I think truly drives the story forward. Um, and this is one of the things my pet peeves with Lower Decks is Lower Decks seems to be fan service, but just to, uh, again, you James, you and I have discussed it, it just seems to be uh, an Easter egg delivery device. Uh, and, and so you're watching it, uh, and perhaps there is a, a story there, but uh, it seems to be overly focused on the fact that, you know, there's an Easter egg. This is a reference to something that you may or may not know. Um, and, and, and so that, in some level, I feel, detracts from the work. Um, but bringing us back to the Enterprise D, so I have a friend who uh, is perhaps a bigger Star Wars fan than I, and he is uh, slightly older than I am. And, and so his whole thing was, whenever you have a new movie, you have to have a new ship. Uh, that that was his 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 kind of and so he was 
somewhat uh, dismayed when you know, Generations came up because they said it's the same shit from the original show. Uh, and he was just like, well, what am I going to go see if, if you're not giving me a new ship? Uh, and, and so I liked the way they went in a different direction. Uh, and so they went back, uh, you know, to uh, the D as opposed to bringing some new, new design uh, up, uh, you know. And so it's just like, well, this is the enterprise, you know, the theoretical, because you could have easily had said, you know, because Jordy used to work for, you know, uh, the Utopia Planitia shipyards. You could say this is, uh, you know, an experimental design, not even yet released. And we're going to go with this. No, um, essentially what Jordy said was over the past 20 years of Sundays, um, I've just kind of been, you know, putting this together, which, by the way, comes out to be about 1,040 days or 2.85 years. He's been working on putting the ship back together. Just just in case anybody wants to know, I did the math. Um, and, and, and so uh, I thought that was, you know, very, very, you know, not only did it um, hit that nostalgia button, but again, it almost reintroduced, and I think this is kind of what was missing from seasons one and two. Um, not only did they bring the old cast together, but you know, it truly puts them back in that space. And so you truly understand what made these people, what made this show, what made this experience special. Um, and so I think that was really good too. I think the point that was raised about, you know, it's analog, um, a little bit too Battlestar Galactica for me. Um, you know, I, I, I was like, I'll allow it, but, you know, it, it did really just kind of hit me as just like, okay, I, I kind of seen this before, which, again, the thing, that's what the thing that I always struggle with when, when I, I see these multimedia franchises is they seem to be self-referential uh, and or they, they seem to just kind of uh, borrow from other things. I, I want... I just, and, and James, I've said this to you, I've said this to all of you. I, I just want new ideas. I want something that I've never seen or thought about that makes me go, wow, that is something that I could never have imagined, which again, kind of frustrated me with, you know, you have the mystery box of the entire season. And then when you open the mystery box, it's the Borg. And I'm like, okay, um, not really where I thought this was going to go, um, but I, I understand. Uh, but just again, like John, I'm going to make a prediction here. Uh, for for episode ten again, I have no advanced uh, knowledge. Uh, this is you know I, I I know no one in the biz, uh, but I fully expect that we may have a Janeway ex machina in episode ten uh, because in Endgame uh, and I quote Reginald Barclay, she's the one who wrote the book on the Borg. So uh, again, they've made references to her. She hasn't appeared. Uh, there has been talk about getting you know Kate Mulgrew to come back, and I think this may be it for the live action Kate Mulgrew. And just one other point, I can't, I'd be remiss in, 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 in not raising this as well. Um, I did find it somewhat disheartening that both Roland uh, and Elizabeth Shelby were killed uh, in their only appearance on the show. Uh, it did give me some feelings of uh, fridging uh, insofar as you bring these female characters in uh, and their appearance and their subsequent death just seems to motivate and move forward uh, the other characters' uh, uh, motivation. Um, I'm not sure how you could have done that differently, but uh, on one level, I, I'm not, I wasn't 100% behind that. So, yeah. Wow, Jack. I, uh, you, you came with a lot of information, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also sometimes wonder with the uh, level of knowledge and, and, and a geekdom or nerddom that we have here, Jack, calculating the Sundays and the amount of hours. <laughs> Hey, Jack, I got a question for you. I'm like, I, should I be in the captain's chair for this podcast? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, James. Jack, how the hell did they get the saucer off of Viridian 3 back to the Fleet Museum? <laughs>
You know, and you know, this is so. But so, but to to your point, so Joe, this is so. No, but there there is an excellent point that you raises, and this is the kind of Star Trek and Star Wars that I've always wanted to see. And it's that level, and and Andor, I think, touched on this a little bit. It's just the day-to-day lives of people who live in this world who do those things. And I think this is where Lower Decks was kind of interesting insofar as it's, you know, they're the second contact. They're not the first contact. I think, you know, again, the Easter egg delivery system uh, just is a bit too much for me. But that is something I would have loved to have seen. The actual, you know, the Corps of Engineers that actually navigated that particular process. That to me is, it it seems like very kind of, I don't know, uh, uninteresting, but that to me is a more interesting story uh, when you have uh, a, a universe with uh, a scarce, scarcity-free universe. You still have to get this thing off of a planet. How one do you do that? One hell of a tractor beam, right? One hell of a tractor beam. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and, and then also then trying not to have the, the the native population either on the planet or in the system take yeah. notice of your 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 actual oh, presence. Yeah, You're right. I, I mean, all of it. I mean, so that for me, and and it was kind of briefly touched on in in uh, you know Strange New Worlds, where again with the the uh, control and everything else, and then those neighboring planets actually witnessed the energy discharge and reverse engineered warp weapons based on that. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, that's interesting. There's a story there. I'm totally thinking like, uh, 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 there there was, there was the 2006 movie of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide uh, to the galaxy and, and and where they're building the planets, but they just had teams of people like doing this stuff. And there you have Bill Nighy, like taking them on a tour. Yes. I'm sort of imagining like they're just cores of engineers and they're like, yep, our job is to clean up the messes. Yes. Uh, And, and, and they're just, they're like putting the shrubs back in place. Like every Yeah. Instead of a new Star Trek series, Star Trek, uh, Starfleet Academy, how about Star Trek's core of engineers? I, I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and again, uh, show me something in the universe that I know, but something that I've never seen, you know? Exactly. And, Pull the and, curtain and, back a bit. Well, exactly. And, and so, you know, and, and just a small nitpick of, and I'm going to say something that's also equally controversial to my earlier statement. Uh, on one level, I blame uh, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine introduced this whole notion of cataclysmic, uh, engagement that threatens the entire galaxy uh, and, and you know, with the war with the Dominion. And I get that. But what happens then is every episode, every, you know, show that's come from there has always tried to go to that level or that extreme. Whereas I like a more quiet episode where it's just kind of like, this is just a day in the life. Um, and yeah, these kind of weird things happen, but you know, not everything needs to rise to the level of, you know, this is all or nothing. So, um, right Jack, and that's where Strange New Worlds really hit it out of the park. And see, exactly. you know, it was it was about, you know, his world and it was, in a sense was ending. He was talking thinking about his death. But I, I was thinking about that season in that your the exact context. You just framed it. I was like, wow, the big the big dramatic ending for the season is important. It's what is going to happen to number one, Una Chin Riley? You know, how are they going to deal with that? Exactly. Bringing her and bringing her back on the ship. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a, it wasn't the galaxy is under threat, the galaxy is ending type thing. And, and, and it's really important to bring this back to that because I think Discovery got trapped in that cycle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the past, you know, two, two or three seasons was, oh, this is, this is about the galaxy ending. It's like, well, that can be an interesting story every so often. Right. Um, but but we don't you know you're always going to you one up yourself again with that exactly. Event. Like okay, well, at some point, like even now, I wonder like 
where, where, you know, like the Q are gone. Okay, the Q are gone. But like, where is, and this this is the tie all together, like, where are the travelers? Where's Wesley? Yes. Is he going to make an appearance next week? Which I, yes. I sort of hope for because I think yeah. they would round out the feel of the season. Um, but like, they can't just be hanging up and be like, oh, here we go again. Another galaxy threat. We're just going to sit by for this one too. <laughs> like, you're right. No, you're right, John. And what Jack just was alluding to, obviously, uh, you know, extinction level events. It doesn't always have to be an extinction level event. And Star Trek Next, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the extinction level event in that is the ultimate demise of, of Captain Pike, which we all know yes. is coming. But we're going to mm-hmm. go on that journey with him because we all have that journey, every one of us, because mm-hmm. we're human. And that's what, star, you know, uh, yeah, the, the human adventure is just beginning. Remember that? So, I mean, <laughs> right. Yes, we do. So, this is what Star Trek is about in its core. And this is why this 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 season of Picard is resonating with me so much, and why the first season of uh, of um, of uh, Strange New Worlds did because it's about the humanity. It's about it's about you know life and, and moving forward, uh, uh, passing the obstacles that are thrown in front of you, and you fail sometimes, you succeed, but it's not always you know the end of everything. It's um, uh, these people are brilliant that are running the show right now. <laughs> I said it'd be false again. <laughs> well, there's two things that came to my mind. Like one is a uh, Joe for a comic book reference. It just reminded me when what are the travelers doing? Like Crisis on Infinite Earths when Phantom Stranger and like all those godlike beings are like yeah. in the thing. Like we're just gonna step back and watch, see what happens. We're not gonna do anything. Gonna um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing is like for Shaw's backstory, just to like he is an engineer. Maybe the reason why he should have been so pissed off at Picard and Riker was because he had to figure out how to fix all their messes like he mm. should have been the guy who had to like figure out how to lift the saucer off of that planet um, <laughs> that's great um but as we uh i think the thing that we we just john you spoke upon this to begin with and jack you just kind of touched upon it but we should might as well just get into our our whatever other thoughts we have the borg being the the threat again um i guess you know it, i'm fine because obviously the show's going so well but I some of our fan theories, I think of Pa Wraiths and possibly the Inner Light, were maybe a little bit more interesting. So, where like, what is everyone's level of acceptance or non-acceptance about it being the Borg? Um, John, I'm a little begrudgingly like, okay, fine, it's the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the low point of the episode, as far as a reveal goes. Jack, I, mean, I, I was I was hoping for something more behind the red door. I was yeah. a little more interesting, a little more to the nature of, you know, uh, uh, you know, things we hide, things that, you know, might, might, might scare us and terrify us. And the Borg were just like, okay, that's fine. You know, yeah, they're scary. And okay, the, I, the explanation, I can buy into it, but it wasn't quite the thing that I think would have really uh, gotten us. And, and, and I can see, and, and two, definitely two minds about that. Um, I, I think I would have rather had them sort of put the Borg part to the side and be like, yeah, we've dealt with the Borg. We had them in the previous two seasons in different incarnations. Yes, um, we did. This is this is something that was obviously there's somebody pulling the strings of the Dominion of, of well not of, of the changelings. So finding out who that was, that would be really cool. I don't entirely buy that the Borg, as they are, uh, you know, are, are like working with the Dominion. The, the the only the only mindset I can get with is that they were pretty heavily hobbled by Janeway's action at the end of Voyager. And that, and that's why they've been quiet. They've they, they've been really, really seriously diminished uh, because of what happened. And and now they're sort of reaching out in desperation. But an alliance like that, especially where it's about the you know uh, the emotion of how these changelings feel about having been 
horribly, you know, worked on in laboratories and, you know, those horrible experiments, you know, the Borg just wouldn't relate on that level. And, and I think it gets to where the Borg queen gets too anthropomorphized, which yeah. was a problem in the previous seasons. Yeah. It's just like, wait, that's not quite what the Borg are. So they're not, they're not quite as scary. They're just sort of now repetitive. It's like, okay, it's the Klingons again. Oh, it's the Romulans again. Uh, it's much more interesting when, when, when you're dealing with like the interstellar politics of Klingons and Romulans than it is just like, oh, the Klingons showed up with a ship again. Like that, that doesn't really you know, get you. And I think the same, that, that is the same problem with the Borg and probably the weakest part of the story, especially given how quickly they rushed it with Jack just going off like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go show myself to them and I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove myself. It's like, oh, come on. Like, you <laughs> Um, so you know you're not gonna you're not gonna just gonna like use your willpower and say no Borg Queen I'm not gonna be one of you like whatever it, yeah, yeah that house Jordan yeah so yeah yeah it, it, it seemed a little rushed because they wanted to they wanted to do the big reveal of the Borg and and it, there was something that was again um something I know that I feel like they are setting up for episode ten for the emotional beats of the father son connection and then everything else it didn't feel right what Troy did after that, when, when mm. she left, I'm so sorry. It felt like, oh, we have Starfleet protocols. It's like, you're all Starfleet rebels right now. You're, you're, you're all on the run, right? You know, so, so, so that, 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 that near switch flip to like, oh, we got to follow protocol now and isolate him and, and, and not be as compassionate as we were 30 seconds ago in the show didn't, didn't feel right for me. So, so again, I would say that for all the coolness of episode nine, I actually don't think it was one of the best, uh, 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 written episodes in terms of internal continuity and particularly mm-hmm. on the emotional level. So if, you know, and maybe if they had pushed that back and brought it back into episodes seven and eight, it would have worked a little better where they stretch it out a little bit. And now of course it's like, yeah, now we, they only had one episode left. So they, they, they got to do it. Um, I just would have liked to see more of that development and maybe, you know, why Jack, what we have there or, or, or what, what would be the real motivation for him to go follow that voice rather than just sort of being, pissed off yeah those are i mean yeah i mean i'm kind of with you john i was like yeah okay the borg i mean other things we've talked about in the episodes we've done so far for the series the borg has always been in the background we but we've always tried to go for something deeper so i was hoping again i, I the season's great the the episodes have been great i i am kind of like i think this is a weak point i was i was more excited for like maybe of josh's theory like maybe they are going to do the inner light that's kind of weird but we'll see I was a little bit more on board with the like the some of the online theories of being the Pa Wraith. So I was like, okay, maybe the Pa Wraith, they got defeated during the Dominion War. Maybe they, mm-hmm. they joined up with the Changeling somehow. Maybe it's a rogue Wayun or something. Like I was, you know, but so, you know, I'm like, it's it's fine with the Borg. Um, but it, it you know, it's sort of, I, and I also kind of like the moment, even though we've talked about how many times in the episode family, it seems like Picard has gotten, that was like Picard getting over his trauma being the Borg, but then he never got over that trauma, but him speaking with Jack sort of trying to express to him what happened to him by the Borg in episode nine, I thought was a a good acting scene for Picard and a good father son scene of him trying to explain it's not your fault. And this is what happened to me. Yeah. I'm in line with you, John, with your, and, and Jack. And so Joe, what are your thoughts about the Borg? Well, first, um, the whole red door thing, I'm going to show my age here. I couldn't help but think of the Rolling Stones. I see a red door and I want to paint it black. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> so I thought there was something else behind that damn door. Uh, but, it's I, you know, I accept it. I get it. It's got to be the big bad. And um, I, I look at it this way. Picard was unwillingly taken into the ball collective. And I guess Jack 
willingly went to the Borg Collective? Can we mm-hmm. say he willingly went, even though yeah. he's getting hearing the voices? So there, there's there, there's that difference. Let's see how it plays out. But um, yeah, I, I racked my brain before that red door was open, and I was what what you know I wasn't thinking Borg. I was. Uh, look, it could have been worse. It could have been the friggin' Ferengi. So we, we should be happy it wasn't them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, let's, again, um, I'm on board, so to speak. <laughs> no pun intended. Let's see where this goes next week. Go to Jack's point, Joe. If it was the Ferengi, that would be something new, right, Jack? Yes, it would be new. <laughs> uh, you know, and my thing is, hey, I, I, I would probably be interested. It's like, let's see what they do. Okay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I want to touch about one more thing before we kind of give our hopes and theories for episode 10, where we, um, I get just uh, things we've talked about leading up to the end of the series. We kind of got to see Janice Crosby with the episode eight with Data, and we saw her hologram. Are we happy about that? Do we kind of wish we had seen her in person? Well, I'd like to see her in person somehow. Yes, that would have been yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they gave her a nod, but it would have been nice to have seen her in person in some And form. where's Reg? Yeah, Reg. <laughs> I don't right. think we're getting Reg. No, I don't, um, Reg, no. I don't think we're getting O'Brien. And and, and, no. and O'Brien, and uh, you know, and and of course for next week we may. Say, I, I think it would be nice to see Wesley on the bridge. Yeah, I think. Yes, I, think I know there's there's a lot of like different fan you know levels of like and dislike for him, but I mean, I think Wesley Crusher is profoundly part of the Star Trek family. Yes. For for, for next gen, and I think it just would be um, a good moment for you know that final send off. And, and and they can make it, and they can make it work. So, and we certainly know Will Wheaton is willing to make the appearance. Uh, Tasha Yar have, ha, having Denise Crosby on would have been a nice send off. I mean, hell, it, it would be cool if they just did it in a oh the Klingons and the Romulans are coming in, and you see you know General Martok, uh, much older, and an older Sela you know coming in with a Romulan fleet. If that, if that was mm-hmm. sort of where the story was going, that it was you know the Alpha Quadrant type thing again, that would have been a cool way of doing that, which I think would have brought that in because clearly again when we're talking like fan service you said well well, why are these characters still in charge of this and doing that well because we're writing this show (laughs) 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 you need to like go through the probabilities of like well why how would admiral shelby still be there like and why would she specifically be the one it's like because we're writing the show you know um (laughs) and 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 it works um so so I, i i think that we've they've done such a good job at giving us some just in little Easter eggs and some really respectful returns of, of, of characters, you know, whether they can make it all within obviously constraints of a budget, which uh, that's just a quick note I want to make is that I, I do feel while the season has a higher production value than season two, you really got to respect how well they've done it because there aren't that many sets. So when you mm-hmm. look at overall this season, it's mostly on board the Titan. The Shrek is a redo of the previous season's ship. Um, right. The They're making a lot of use of that 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 uh, ten forward, um, you know, set on, holo- on the holodeck. Yeah, as much as we're like, wait, that's really what they have emergency power for? Is a holodeck program for people to chat while the world ends or the ship ends? Yeah. Okay, John, fine. John, I heard a wise man once say, "Hey, they're writing the show." So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. So we go back there. We're like, mm-hmm. but you know what? Did it save them the money? Did they get to where they needed to go? Did it make us feel good about it? If the answer is yes to it, then good job. And, and <laughs> hey, they get a better budget for the next series or season. Um, also, quick to note, they're not using AR wall technology like, uh, you know, to this, or at least the same degree that the other two shows are. And I, I'm glad for that because I like the evolving use of the AR wall, but stylistically, it wouldn't fit 
for and what this effectively is is a next gen reunion and that we have a literally the money went into building the original bridge of, of the enterprise d absolutely <laughs> mm-hmm there's no carpet with an AR wall, John. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's, it's the, yeah, the, the prop master was busy. I mean, that you can see, yes, there is time, attention, and love that went into that. Yeah. Hey, hey guys, I have a question for the uh, for Jack and for John uh, and James, too, because I didn't, I didn't see much of seasons one and two. But what are the state of foreign affairs in the in the uh, Alpha Quadrant vis-a-vis the, uh, the Federation the, and the Klingon and Romulan empires? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, do you think we could see maybe them showing up uh, in the last episode? Possibly? I mean, the Klingons, hypothetically, they don't really talk much about the Klingons in the first two seasons in any great detail. The Romulans, however, they're basically sticking with the destruction of Romulus uh, uh, as as creating the te- Kelvin timeline type thing. Now, the Federation really dropped the ball on that. Picard was, Admiral Picard was part of a large effort to help evacuate the planet, uh, uh, potentially save it, sort of similar to what Spock was doing, uh, you know, in the Kelvin timeline, well, before it became the Kelvin timeline. Um, and then there's this weird thing where this, what they call synths, which are basically like quasi-datas, were operating on Mars, uh, you know, the Mars, the Planitia you know, shipyards, and they went rogue because of the storyline of the first season. And the Federation's attention shifted to this anti-synthetic life focus, and they dropped the ball on helping the Romulans to Picard's great regret and mm. really started looking inwards. And so the show begins in season one, episode one, with retired Admiral Picard uh, um, really just eviscerating what the Federation has become and particularly their relationship with what, how they dropped the ball of Romulans. So short answer, no, I don't think the Romulans are going to come to their aid because the Romulans are heavily, heavily uh, decimated, but they're also probably really still pissed at the Federation. That was a good question, Joe. So as we kind of wrap up this episode, um, a few things I just want to touch upon. Um, one, uh, Jack, I do agree with you that I, I think um, I wish Rolaren and Shelby hadn't died. I think Rolaren was a little bit more poignant. And Shelby, I guess they killed Shelby because they killed Shelby. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's sort of like revenge for fans who didn't like Shelby for whatever right. reason, for being a strong woman. I was one woman. of those fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't watch that episode again. And honestly, I had no problem with her. Again, she struck me very similar as Jellico. I mean, and so the one, and again, I think this is kind of uh, a, uh, a hangover of Gene Roddenberry. You know, the core members uh, were always, you know, con- congenial. They they always kind of got along well. And anyone on the outside, again, particularly those admirals, you know, we're, we're just going to, you know, anything they said, you go 180 degrees the other direction, you do the exact opposite, and you just deal with the, you know, the, the insubordination. Uh, because you will be proven right. Um, but she... I had no problem with the fact that she was just very clear. Listen, I I am, you know, I, I want to break that transparent aluminum just like anyone else. Um, and, and and she had a mission. And, and I just love the line, you're in my way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Jack. Uh, so um, as we move, I guess, let's, let's talk about, I guess, as we wrap things up to, uh, to, next, to the final episode of Picard Season 3. Let's talk about what we hope we see and what we don't see. I am. I'm hoping, like we've all said, to see Wesley again. I, mm-hmm. I hope Wesley's not the Deus Ex Machina. Who he's mm-hmm. gonna whoosh in and just make everything disappear or everything. So I hope he's used correctly within the framework of the story. I also hope we don't see the Enterprise D after all this get just blown to smithereens. But I guess that's <laughs> a possibility. Mm-hmm. 
So, but everything else, I'm I'm curious to see where where they're going to leave our characters. Where are they going to leave the toys? Um, hopefully, outside of the toy box, so that, that we have a future with them. So, um, uh, Joe, what are your what are your hopes for the final episode of the season? Well, I like your toy box reference, James, because you know you've taken these toys out of the box, so please don't put them back in. Let's uh, you know let's, um, let's go forward, you know, straight on until uh, morning, as it were. So. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know where we're going, but uh, as I've said many times before, I'm alone for the ride and I, uh, I don't think they're going to disappoint us. I hope, yeah, I don't think they're, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, listen, the Borg thing, I know we've, we've had our problem, we've all discussed our issues with it, but I, I think they can still finish off the season strong with the momentum and nature they've been going with so far. Um, John, what are your, what are your hopes, hopes and, and for next week? Uh, I, I'm going to echo that, but yeah, I sort of do hope Wesley comes in, in in a good role. I mean, he could they could he could be mortal for a moment, being like I have to, you know the only way I can intervene is sort of to give up some of the powers. You can always use that sort of mm-hmm. uh, story trope, but I I, th- I think that would just be, as, as I said before, I think that's important for the send off for them as a family, um, and you know it's his brother, you know, uh, at this point. Yeah. So I, I I could see him in. I I would like to see that role be like not like just using powers, but that there's some reason for connection that helps draw Jack out of the collective. And that, and that's what I'm hoping to see is a really, really well-written way of how are they going to draw Jack out of this? It's, you know, we know that there's going to be a moment where he's just using his willpower to defy the queen and turns the collective around or something. I, I fully expect that to be part of the storyline uh, next week. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm hopeful and optimistic that they're really going to get the emotional beats with that right. That it's how does, how does he come out of that? Um, and what is, and what does that, what does that mean? I also, I do want to see some pre, you know, I, I want to see, I want to say a little more about like what these new Starfleet ships can do. Maybe, you know, we, we got, we got our, we got our little Easter eggs, all the ship names and everything, but it would be cool to see if they, you know, I don't know they break off part of the fleet that can be restored to access. Um, and we get to see about what's happening elsewhere. I've loved that they use as sort of the story MacGuffin that, oh, this uh, this genetic change only applies to people who are below 25. So therefore, <laughs> dealing with a problem. And I'm like, well done. Well done. You just you just wrote it in one line and that explains everything now. It can be all about the older folk. This is great. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think that's sort of a cool thing to be like, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be that. And, and, and what do we, you know, what are we going to see in terms of the fleet? It wouldn't surprise me if it gets wrapped up reasonably early in the episode. I don't know if it's a, if, an ex, if it's an extra long episode, but I, I, I'm really hoping to get a good 15 minutes at the end where uh, there is a, the final reunion. There is the final sort of like, this is where we go, and the handoff um, mm. to, to, to the next generation, what it's yeah. going to be. Um, and in a cool little way, Star Trek VI did that with their signature sign-offs and the end speech from Kirk, that the ship will soon become the two different crew, et cetera, rather than just a sad decommissioning. Um, It's that there will be another enterprise, there will be another crew. I want to see them do something with that, where even if there isn't another show in the pipeline yet, that there's clearly a, this is awesome, thank you so much for joining us, and let's let's, uh, show you the next group of people that you're going to be able to spend your time with and, and have some exciting adventures with. That was, that was great, John. And, and John, your uh, your uh, thoughts about Wesley like becoming like mortal to help his brother remind me of Daniel Jackson from Stargate giving up yes, his uh, yes. his ascension to uh, to come back and help his friends or uh, Brilliant. Anubis. Yes, so uh, nod to Stargate. Um, 
Jack, what are your uh, what are your thoughts about how they're going to take the show, or where do you hope they take the show in the last episode? No, so um, no, I, as, as I indicated, I definitely think uh, Janeway will make an appearance. Um, I, I think uh, that what role that plays uh, in so far as resolving everything, um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, maybe she can kind of focus on on. Uh, the Borg aspect of of the the fleet that's been kind of taken over, while they focus on, um, you know, like John said, trying to retrieve Jack uh, and trying to to get him, um, and in this way, you can essentially have those two storylines going at the same time without necessarily sacrificing one for the other. Um, particularly considering they only have the one Enterprise D that is, uh, you know, uh, disconnected, uh, and and so that would I think uh, be the best use of uh, the crew and the ship. Uh, in really just trying to make sure that, well, we've kind of set the ball in motion with uh, the entire fleet on, you know, uh, this big celebration, which we thought that was a good idea. I, I don't know some admiral um, to to really. And, and again, just want to make another point about this home notion. Uh, I think it's so ironic that uh, over, and because I've, again, done the research, uh, over time, the Federation has become very Borg-like uh, and, and just kind of uh, linking their ships together uh, or having these kind of like, uh, these situations where uh, you have uh, these ships acting uh, in, in in concert, uh, very similar to the Borg. And uh, again, some Admiral somewhere thought that that made sense. And so again, Voyager message in a bottle with the Prometheus class, uh, you know, can break off and then uh, it could uh, has this multi-vector assault mode that's going on there. Uh, the stars at night uh, with the Texas class from, um, you know, lower decks uh, having just the ships that are completely automated again, who thought that was a great idea? Um, and, and, and so one would imagine that whenever you try to do this, it's never going to work out well. Why they keep doing it, I don't know. But um, so I think that would be good. Uh, I think uh, bringing Wesley in, I think it's a good idea. I My reluctance on that is uh, I think there is a little bit short shrift of just constantly bringing Will Waiting in on the last episode of the season. This will be the second time in the row that they've done that. Um, and I mean, I'm sure he's happy to do it, but uh, on many levels, I feel the character uh, is suffering because of it. I, I actually um, went back and I watched some of the Wesley episodes, uh, you know, in preparation for this. Um, and in the later seasons, he was written rather well. Um, and, and, and so I, I do regret that um, in many ways, uh, the character has been so decis- uh, divisive um, because, uh, again, poor writing, what have you, but um, there could have been a, a larger role for him to play uh, throughout the course of this season, and that just didn't happen. So again, I think bringing him in in the last episode, not how I prefer to see him. I'd almost rather not see him come in uh, if that's what you're going to do again. Um, but those are just kind of my thoughts. Uh, but I, on one very practical level, just from a storytelling perspective, uh, someone's got to sacrifice themselves. Uh, who that is, I don't know. Um, but I, I feel uh, there must be some some blood sacrifice, whether it's a character, whether it's the Enterprise D, uh, whether it's Jack. I, I don't know, but but someone must pay the price uh, for for uh, you know restoring things to normal. Perhaps today is a good day to die. <laughs> yes, or you know, and maybe Janeway will come riding in in the Proto Star. We never oh, know. That that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think that kind of wraps up our uh, penultimate um, show for Picard Season 3. So we will, next time we gather, we will be talking about the finale and our thoughts about that. 
But uh, I, I could not have done this episode without the rest of the crew, this the strong, deeply rooted in the knowledge of Star Trek crew. So um, thank you, John, for being here. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, thank you, Jack. Hailing frequencies open. <laughs> yes, and for coming through the wormhole for us and returning. We appreciate it. And, uh, and of course, thank you, Joe. Oh, my pleasure, James, to be with the, here with this august body of, uh, of uh, Star Trek brass. <laughs> And then hopefully we will get Josh's pattern out of the uh, transporter buffer soon, and he will be with us on, on the wrap-up. <laughs> but uh, we're still working on it. Uh, but uh, listening audience, thank you for joining us. If you uh, have thoughts on what we've said, you've enjoyed what, enjoyed what we said, and you want to add to it, please put it in the comments uh, for the post on the Facebook group and Secret Origins of Mink Condition. Uh, we also have an Instagram where I post uh, the shows coming out, so you can leave your comments there. And we thank you for listening, and make it so. 